You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant. And today we have an amazing guest, James Thompson, James Allen Thompson. And I am so grateful for this dear friend who I met a couple of years ago in an extraordinary way over the love of liberty. And so, James, I just want you to say good morning. And will you share a little bit about how you came into that position where we met at the Eagle Forum and and what happened and what you were transitioning out of. And then we're going to get into a beautiful, wonderful storyline of James' walk to Washington, D.C. So this is an exciting show that we have prepared for you today, and we're excited to be with you today, James. All right. Thank you so much, Karen, for having me over. And it's always a blessing to be connected with you. And I want to begin by sharing just a little bit about my background and how we came about to meet. So this was back in, I believe, 2018. Uh, I was making a transition in my life where I was working in tech sales, in business to business tech sales. And I just felt like there was something more that I could do with my life, with the talents that I've been given than just to sell this really cool technology. And so I made the, uh, the jump into politics because I felt very passionate about what was going on in the country. And so I started to attend different meetings, um, building my network. And that is where we met. We met Mm -hmm. at the Eagle forum. I can't remember exactly what they were talking about that day, but uh, it was such a blessing and honor to to connect with you and to be around like-minded people. So that it was, is how we met. It was an instant, it was an instant thing. You know, yeah. when you find like-minded people and that's what even this whole radio internet is about, uh, like-minded people who have a passion for liberty and who love the constitution. And immediately I felt your spirit and knew that even though uh, you were, you were younger than me, but you were wiser than me. And I just was so excited to learn through you, to learn from you, and to follow you because of your great passion for this country, for America, and for liberty, and for the cause of freedom. And you know, this is an interesting segue into the conversation, but I didn't know this at the time, but I had later that spring, I was getting ready to go out to Washington, D.C. Little did I know that about two years later, I would be walking from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. for peace. So that should be a good segue into into what story. we want to share <laughs> yeah. with you. We've you've had a love of politics and we've sure. we keep running into each other. We keep being at the same place at the same time. And and I know there were times when I would call you and you would be here and there, but you were out of out of the state. You were mm-hmm. doing wonderful things and you were really pursuing your passion for politics. And you've done that and you're doing that. But then you made this choice and I heard from you. You were helping me with my with my work with Joy Coaching America because you have many gifts that I would like for you to share your passions with 
sharing and uh, letting people know all the good things that are happening in the world and how you do that with your talents. So you're a masterful influencer and we're going to talk about that too. So tell everybody what you do for people and what you've done for people to share their gifts. Sure. Let me give you some context first. So since I was a young boy, maybe eight years old, I always knew that my calling in life would be to um, share truth, to teach, to write, to speak. And I didn't really know how I would do that because growing up, I was very shy, insecure, introverted. And I remember my uncle, my mom's brother, who started working for Covey at the time, um, told me if I wanted to do what he was doing, which was speaking all around the world, the best thing for me to do would be to get into door-to-door sales. So I threw myself into door-to-door sales right out of high school. Uh, I learned a lot. And then I realized that this was going to be the path I was taking. And so since that time, I've reinvented myself and I've developed different skills around marketing, storytelling. And so that is a big focus of of mine is helping people to get their message out Mm -hmm. to their audience. That doesn't necessarily mean virality because it's not always about that. And we'll share some examples of that about this walk across the country and what that really looked like. But, you know, for me, it's about connection with people. And, and when I, when I write, I always keep that in mind. And so the gift I guess I've been given is to empower people to make those connections uh, and to share what's in their heart. And you're going to be doing that. You are writing a book. Yes. And I know that I might be jumping ahead a bit to even mention the book, but I mm-hmm. think that this is why I wanted to interview you was I wanted you to share some of the things that you will be doing with your book. The title of your book is so inspired and I love that. And if you could just share with us anything you want to, or maybe it's a secret. So sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave some breadcrumbs, but the title of the book is called How I Saw It. Uh, what I learned about developing peace during my walk across America. And this is going to give people an inside look into my daily life walking across the country for the last six months. And the perspective that I strive to have when I encounter different challenges, and I'm hoping that they will inspire and empower people when they come across different challenges I can't think of a harder thing to do during the middle of a pandemic than to walk across the country. (laughs) And so, and not just that, but show up in DC on January 6th when the Capitol was being raided. So uh, that is- And that was not a planned moment. It wasn't. You you came into Washington, DC on the day, on the day. This whole experience was guided and I- you know, I don't know if you want to get into that right now or we want to wait, but I want to share the big picture of why we did this walk. But, you know, with this book, um, the idea is to, again, develop these connections and to provide people tools that they can use in their own lives um, to develop greater inner peace. Well, you know what? I remember the day you told me you were going to do this. I think it was on a phone call. And then I Mm -hmm. watched on Facebook as you were posting different, different experiences. And I, you know, I, I've told you that I have a feeling of mother in me for you. And it was like watching my son walk across America and being 
You know, those feelings of, oh my gosh, that is a huge undertaking. That is, there's going to be weather. There's going to be people that are not friendly. There's going to be people that are angelic ministers. And what encounters is he going to have? And so the day I saw you again, again, planted in my, in my path after you had come home and returned, it was like, okay, I have to hear all about this and not only hear all about it, but we need to share this with the rest Mm -hmm. of you because not all of us are ever going to walk across America, or at least we don't have that on our vision boards and we don't necessarily want to. And so I'm so excited for you to share with us in the next few minutes, what inspired you to want to walk across America to DC? Absolutely. So a few years ago, I started to have these dreams of me walking back to where I served my mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Washington, D.C. And so I'd have these dreams of going back to D.C., but they didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, You know, I've been back to D.C. a couple of times since, but I knew something was supposed to happen in my life at the beginning of 2020. It was going to change everything. As everyone knows, the pandemic was really hard on people. And and what sparked this this walk, now keep in mind, I didn't plan on doing this. My friend, one of my best friends, Paul Chavez, he was living in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. He was working as a teacher, a high school teacher, and I was living in Lehigh. And he was planning on moving into Lehigh, into the Lehigh house with me. And, but he had went through a breakup. Um, it was like mid-May. And so I flew down to to Phoenix. We were going to drive to Laguna Beach and then to San Francisco, where he's from. And then from San Francisco to Lehigh, and and then we're going to room together. So we're driving um, from Laguna Beach to San Francisco. This was on June 2nd. And this, you know, along with all the shutdowns and and the mask mandates and everything, all the chaos. Um, we had experienced an earthquake, I think just a couple of months That was prior in Utah, right? In Utah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think all of us are feeling on edge. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, what can I personally do to stop focusing on myself and try to shine a light on the good that's happening? And so anyway, we were driving from Laguna Beach to San Francisco and I noticed a lot of people were posting these black pictures on social media in support of Black Lives Matter and the uh, the incident that took place with George Floyd. And mm-hmm. I saw what I what I was seeing was this division. And I was already seeing it with the mass mandates and the pandemic. But then on top of this, I just thought this is this is outrageous. <laughs> like we need to come together. We need to take time to listen to each other. And so that's when I said, you know, there's got to be something more that we can do than to complain on social media. And Paul said, what if we do a coast to coast walk across the country? And that's where it all started. And we will be right back with James Ellen Thompson with more on his book that he has been writing, that he will continue to write, that he will release to bless the rest of us, to bless our lives and to help us to see it through his eyes. This is Carolyn Grant with Joy Coaching America.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. This is Karen Lynn Grant. We're back with James Allen Thompson and his walk across America with a dear friend of his named Paul. In our last segment, we were just talking, James had just shared with us how they made that decision to make that walk. And now, James, we would love for, to hear, we're on, we left on a cliffhanger, we would love to hear what happened next. At this point, Paul had suggested that we do this coast-to-coast walk across America for peace. And this was something that I think Paul had been thinking about because he had just went through this breakup and he was wanting to do uh, or go on a long walk. It's something that he had mentioned um, earlier that day. And I was thinking like, okay, uh, let's go hiking somewhere. Let's go hike the Appalachian Trail. But walking across America was not, um, you know, not something I was It wasn't just doing. taking a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I immediately said yes without even thinking about it. And then I realized what I just commit myself to. (laughs) So we, you know, I I had a lot of anxiety over the next few days that we spent in San Francisco because I thought, you know, next time I'm back here, I'm about to go on this six month journey. And uh, so we decided if we're going to do this, we're going to do this within two weeks. And I went back and I sold my car. I, I, you know, pretty much just left everything behind. And we went out and we plugged the the map, um, Google Maps with um, San Francisco to Washington, D.C. and the walking route. And so um, that is how we essentially got started. That's kind of the nutshell of what happened. That is amazing. And so what did you take? What did you what did you take? Did you take a lot of money? What did you do? Well, this walk was initially self-funded. So, you know, I sold my car and, you know, use some savings. And so I purchased a backpack, a backpacking backpack and brought a sleeping bag with me, a couple of changes of clothes and just like the very basics, you know, some food, um, uh, some camel packs to fill our, to fill up with water. But we really can bring a lot with us. Now, before we left on this walk, we had this friend, Katrina, who was just ecstatic about what we were doing. And she asked us, how are you guys planning on getting across the desert? And we just kind of looked at each other. We're like, well, we don't really know. We'll just figure it out as we go. Mm -hmm. She said, well, you know, I think it'd be better if I came out and drove Paul's Subaru as your support driver. And so Paul thought about it. He's like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll do that. that." Split gas. And so the plan was for her to meet up with us once we got to Yosemite. So we spent the first two weeks completely on foot. We, um, a lot of times we would just sleep on the side of the road or behind churches or at parks. Uh, but once we met up with Katrina, it made it a little bit easier for us to find places to sleep every night. What did you, what paths did you follow? Did you follow highways? What yeah. you, you were on? Highways? So um, initially going through the Bay Area was just you know, walking through neighborhoods and just on the side of the road. The further east we got, we would hike trails going through the mountains. Then as we 
got out of the mountains and into the desert, we would walk on the side of a highway. And that was good, probably, I don't know, close to 500, 600 miles of that um, for the first, you know, two months. That's amazing, James. What do you do while you're walking? Did you walk and talk? Did you listen to audios? What what do you do as you're walking? Well, so initially when Paul and I walked together, uh, we would spend a lot of time talking to each other. Uh, I would spend a lot of time taking pictures and videos and putting together content for the people that followed us. Mm-hmm. I would listen to a lot of podcasts. I'd have a playlist where I'd listen to music that inspired me, that helped me to keep going when I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were sometimes, especially times when we didn't have cell service, where I just, you know, walked silently and prayed, talked to God. I would talk to myself. Mm-hmm. I would um, just leave space for creativity. So, James, as you embarked on this journey, you didn't have a whole lot of time to mentally to prepare for this and to know what is what it's going to be like as you're going through mountain passes and all of that and the weather. Mm-hmm. So tell us what it was like to be hiking through mountains and and the weather conditions. What happened along the way? It was nerve wracking. So the first mountain range that we went through was Mount Diablo in the Bay Area. And you know, I'm from the city. So, I mean, I've, I've been camping before I was a boy scout, but never have I experienced anything like what we, what I'm about to describe, which is we had inter- interactions with wild animals, you know, coyotes, mountain lions, bobcats, moose, bear, you know, rattlesnakes. And so we'd have these experiences, but I always felt protected. Uh, and Never, never was I like to the point where I thought, you know, my life was going to be truly in danger. I mean, there were a few times where I like crossed my mind, but, you know, as far as the weather goes of the 205 days that we were on this trip, we only had five days of, you could say bad weather, Mm, whether it was rain or snow. And I, I had put that out there to Paul. I told Paul, I said, you know, we're going to have good weather most of the time here. And I was pretty confident that would be the case in on the west side of the country. But as we got further east, it's more likely that it's going to rain and snow. But we happened to make it across the country with pretty much good weather. I mean, there were some really cold days that we experienced, but we managed to get through it. You know, we just bundled up and. So, pushed. what did you do for Thanksgiving for your first Thanksgiving <laughs> on your walk across wow. America? That is a great question. So, let's see if I can summarize this story. So. About a year ago, uh, I went to this concert. It was a One Republic concert down in Vegas. And at the end of the concert, I met this gentleman um, who had this interaction during the middle of the concert with the lead singer of the band, Ryan Tedder. And he asked, he said, hey, did you by chance get a recording of me having this interaction? And at this point, I was really tired. I just wanted to go back to my hotel. But something told me, connect with this guy. So I sent him this video and we stayed in contact. Now this guy is from Kuwait, but he lives in Illinois and we stayed in contact. And when Paul and I decided to do this walk, he reached out and said, Hey, I'd love to, to donate to your campaign. So he was a monthly contributor. And then he said, when you get to Illinois, I'll, um, I'd love to host you. So anyway, we get to Illinois, we show up to his place and he 
had a bed made for us with chocolates on the pillow and wonderful slippers and he bought me new shoes and he had snacks for us and made us lunch every day made his sandwiches he bought us dinner every night and then this is this is what was really amazing he told us he was going to take us to disney world for like four or five days we were going to fly to disney world we're going to take a break from the walk and then come back and resume but the problem was paul had lost his license up in the mountains um in the middle of the fires that we were in. And that's a different story. But wow. so we couldn't do that. So instead we decided to take two days off and we went to Chicago. He put us up in a hotel. He made 50 sack lunches for the homeless and we went out and delivered them. And that was a beautiful experience mm-hmm. connecting. I mean, we, I, I've, I've done that before where, you know, I've gone out with some friends and we've, you know, delivered um, foods to the homeless. But it's a different experience when you are homeless, <laughs> you know, because we've been basically homeless for the last like, you That's know, three right. months. And so the amount of empathy just grew because I could finally start to get a grasp around what they could be feeling like the anxiety of where am I going to get my next meal? Wow. Where am I going to sleep? That's going to be safe and warm. Uh, all these different things that we, a lot of times we take for granted that I know I've taken for granted, which is sleeping in a bed. And uh, so, yeah, that was a wonderful experience. Jobber, he treated us to this really nice um, dinner, this restaurant right off the river. And this guy was truly a saint. Can I ask how old he was? He's like 35. What a sweetheart. Yeah. What so an amazing, Christ-like. an angel along the way, right? Yeah. And, and I have other stories to go along with that. But uh, yeah, that was that was our experience on Thanksgiving. It was beautiful. So that was Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. You spent yeah. your Thanksgiving in Illinois. In Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. In a in a restaurant on the river. Yeah. Yeah. How amazing. What a saint. Mm-hmm. What an amazing man. That will be a lifelong friendship, won't it? Absolutely. That just that just gives me tingles to hear <laughs> that there are people that he would not only bless you, take care of you, and then provide 50 lunches. There are yeah. good people in this world. And we will be right back with more from James's experience in walking across America and the saints and angels he met along the way. This is Carolyn Grant with Joy Coaching America. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America with Carolyn Grant interviewing James Allen Thompson on his journey to Washington, D.C. He calls it a walk across America. And I'll tell you, James, I'm still tingling from the last segment and the story about your first Thanksgiving out there in Illinois, Chicago, with a wonderful 35-year-old saint who we want to pay tribute to. And if you are listening 
you wonderful soul. We're so grateful for you taking care of James along the way and the 50 people that James then got to share lunches with because of you. You know, you said an important thing, James. You talked about the empathy that you gained for the homeless as you walked across America, not knowing where you were going to lay your head. I'm sure you also gained a lot of empathy for Jesus when he says that he had no place to lay his head. And what an experience. I think that this is multifaceted, a multifaceted experience that is going to continue to have a ripple effect in your life as you go through your life and you reflect back on, wow, what an amazing experience. So we got to hear about Thanksgiving. I can hardly wait to hear about Christmas, but I know there was some in between uh, November and December. So share with us the journey to Christmas. Yeah. So first I want to share that this walk, it wasn't about us. It wasn't about us actually walking you know, every single mile across the country. God had a bigger plan, bigger purpose for us um, that, you know, with the lessons that were learned and, you know, our intention initially was to walk every single mile across the country without a support vehicle. We, we were just this, we were so driven by this cause of, um, inspiring people to get outside and walk more and also to look for the good in their communities. That's really what this walk was about for me, at least it was about, um, perspective bringing, um, peace to our lives. And so, you know, things happen that were out of our control. And that's, um, that's a really good lesson to be learned in our life is that a lot of things don't go according to plan. And that's okay, because God still has a beautiful purpose for that. And so, you know, we, we had this intention that Katrina was going to finish this walk with us, that Paul and I would be able to walk together the entire time. Well, Katrina started to get sick. I won't go into that, but she um, decided we decided it'd be best for her to go home and to see a doctor. And so she didn't did not end up coming back out with us. So we had to change the way that we did this walk once we were about halfway through Utah, where we wanted to keep the support vehicle just because based off of our experience, we knew we still had a good amount of um, miles to go through the desert and the mountains you know, and it would have been very difficult to do this walk without the support vehicle to restock on food and supplies, or even if just something happened, right? Mm -hmm. This is not a set path to take. And so it was a very dangerous um, walk to be on. And so we decided, you know what, that's okay, because we will continue doing this walk. This is about encouraging people to get outside and walk. It's not about us. It's not about, look how cool Paul and James are walking every single mile across the country. So you know, it took, we uh, both took a, a humble pill <laughs> and we decided what we would do is I would walk the first three miles. Paul would drive up, drop the car off at three miles. He'd get out and start walking. And then I'd walk up to the car, pick up the car, drop the car off wherever he is or at three miles. And we would just do this. So that way we're both walking at the same time, but we're covering more ground. And uh, I believe that this was for a lot of different reasons I won't get into here, but there was certainly a purpose for us to having that vehicle, um, both protection and also people that we needed to interact with that we wouldn't have been able to have we not mm. had that, that vehicle. So I bring that up because I need to explain that. So 
people would understand what happened when we got closer to DC. So my goal personally was to finish this walk. I wanted to get to DC because I had friends out there that I want to visit. And I just wanted to spend Christmas in DC relaxing and just, this was going to be our target, but it wasn't our final destination. Our final destination was Virginia beach because Paul wanted to do a true coast to coast. So we wanted to jump into the the ocean. Mm. So we, things happened and, you know, we were about still about two weeks out from, from reaching DC. This was like, I think mid December at this point we were in, I want to say we're in Pennsylvania at this point. And so we decided to just to mark our location. And then we drove to DC to spend Christmas with a family and it was cool. We actually got to do a White House tour. I think it was a couple of days prior to Christmas. And that was a really neat experience to be able to go through the White House, um, thanks to one of our friends. Um, and so we got to spend a couple of days relaxing. And it was much needed because we were going hard for the last like That you month. were exhausted. Yeah, it was and, you know, the thing is that it had snowed. And so we were just ready to take a break. Uh, but again, this all worked out the way it should have, because after DC, we picked up where we left off in Pennsylvania and then we had made it to DC on January 6th. So that is a huge experience in and of itself in coming in. Now you said that you went to the white house mm-hmm. before Christmas. Yeah. And where were you on Christmas? So we were in Manassas, Virginia. That is where I had served my mission for my church. And we stayed with the family, the Webbs. And was this a family you had known since mm-hmm. your mission? Yeah. So this is family. a huge um, impetus in this connectivity of continuing these friendships throughout your life and yeah. continuing the correspondence. And you're such a wonderful connector. And that's just amazing that you were able to stay with them. And I bet they were so excited to hear of your journeys. Yeah, they were following us from the very beginning and they were a huge support. It was really nice. The thing is, is had we not had the support vehicle, we probably would have been somewhere. I don't even know where. Maybe we would have been in Ohio, maybe be in Indiana at that, at that time. Honestly, we probably would still be walking at this point had we not <laughs> done it the way that we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because... Paul had some um, back pain that he was dealing with. And so he wasn't able to walk as far long as I was able to. And just with all the different challenges that came up, it really did work out the way it should have. Well, that's wonderful. We're so So, grateful to that family too in Virginia. And so now you have had Christmas, you've had Christmas morning. What happened next? We, we want to hear about, I, I want to hear the in-between and your day when you walked into DC on January 6th, which was not a planned moment. No. It was again, a serendipitous moment that was by divine design. It absolutely was. And keep in mind, I had this sense of urgency to finish this walk. And looking back now, it wasn't necessarily to finish the walk as much as it was getting to DC when we did. That's the way I look at it. And so remember when we talked about you being on the phone with me, that day that I called you and told you that I was doing that walk, mm-hmm. that was just a couple of days after we had decided, but we happened to be in the middle of the Black Lives Matter protest mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. So uh, fast forward to after Christmas, 
I'm feeling this sense of urgency to get there and to, to not waste any time. And I even had this impression before we got to DC that something significant was going to happen there in the Capitol. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but I felt some anxiety. And then as I was walking, I think I was in Maryland at this point, the Panhandle of Maryland. I remember seeing the sign that said, be still and know that I am God. And I posted that on social media. And then um, as we got closer, you know, we ended up getting to, we, we walked with some friends from Arlington National Cemetery to the Link Memorial. And that was on January 5th. Okay. So the plan was we wanted to do a walk from the Link Memorial to, uh, I think it was the Capitol building the next day. And then from the Capitol building, we would make our way down to Virginia Beach. So the night before, and keep in mind, I didn't know that um, there was going to be this Trump rally or this protest. So we decided to, to go. And I, the night before on January 5th, I had posted, I said, you know, please pray for this country. Something is going to change. And so we showed up there right at the Capitol building on January 6th. And, uh, you know, we, a lot of things happened that day that I was not expecting to. And I don't know if we want to stop there, but <laughs> we're going to, we're going to talk about that. You know, you talk about the feeling that you had yeah. that sense of, uh, urgency, the sense of discernment, all of these spiritual gifts that accompanied you along the way on this incredible journey that you took on your walk across America. And I love that. I know that you have mentioned to me, not on the show yet, but the ministering of angels, and we want to hear all of these things. And I know it's going to be so great in your book, James, as you write about your walk across America. We'll be right back. This is Karen Lynn Grant with James Allen Thompson on Joy Coaching America. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time. We're back with James Ellen Thompson sharing his walk across America. And James, in our last segment, you had just entered into D.C. on January 6th. It was not planned by you, but by some divine intervention that you showed up. And what I was thinking about between our, you know, as the news was playing, what I was thinking about is here you've had solitude, you've had quiet, you've had time for reflection, maybe more than you actually wanted, but you had a lot of solitude. Now you show up in Washington, D.C., on one of its busiest days in history. Tell us what that was like on January 6th, walking into DC. Yeah, so when Paul and I decided to to show up in DC that morning, we were we felt we needed to be there as observers to share this perspective. Obviously, this was a divine appointment for us to be there at this time, um, especially with how ironic it was that we started this walk because of the the riots and the protests going on across the country. And so we thought it was uh, interesting that this all worked out the way it should have. So we show up in the morning 
at like seven o'clock in the morning, I had to go find a restroom and, and I was looking all across the Washington mall and I couldn't find anything. And so I walked past the Capitol building and then I found one closer to the Supreme court building. But the entire time I was thinking to myself, why, why isn't there more security surrounding the Capitol building? Because especially with what was supposed to happen that day between the, um, the verification of the certifications for the the votes and the tens of thousands of people that just flooded the street. I have, I have never seen anything like that before. I mean, there must've been well over, you know, 50, 60, I don't even know thousand people at the Capitol. It was just incredible, (laughs) but these were very um, good people that love America and are concerned about their liberties. And, and I'm not going to take a side here, but, um, my experience was these are just good people. There were families there, you know, there were people of all different backgrounds. Did they have little children they have there? Little children there, you know, and it was a great event, but still I'm thinking to myself, something seems off. And I had this impression that, you know, this, this group Antifa that has been instigators behind a lot of the rights across the country, I had a feeling that they were going to be there, but maybe, maybe not, uh, Maybe they weren't going to be there. And I guess what I'm saying is I I felt like they were going to be in disguise. I know that sounds kind of bizarre, but like I didn't feel like with that amount of people there supporting Trump, I didn't feel that they would try to um, outwardly cause trouble. I felt like maybe there was a different plan Mm -hmm. that makes sense. And so we, you know, we were there for the, uh, the rally. The rally was great. Um, There was, you know, singing and prayer and, just, you know, there are a lot of people that were just wanting to hear the president and have their voices heard, right? And so keep in mind, when we were there, I tried to go live on Facebook and I couldn't. It seemed like all of our phones couldn't connect. Mm. So I couldn't reach Paul because we had been separated. And there were some other friends there at the Capitol that I wanted to meet up with. But at the end of the speech that Trump gave, so you were by yourself separated from Paul? Uh, for the first part. And then we ended up connecting. We found each other. So at the end of the speech, Trump had encouraged everyone to march down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol, right? And we had a dinner appointment with a member from my mission who I did not want to be late for this dinner appointment. Um, and so Paul had said, you know, let's go down to the Capitol. And this was around, I want to say it was like four o'clock at this point. And we had parked our support vehicle in College Park, Maryland. So we needed to take the metro to College Park and then drive and just knowing DC traffic. Um, I just wanted to give us enough time. But something told me, don't don't walk down to the Capitol building. Leave. And so, you know, I told that to Paul. I said, we need to get out of here. Something's about to happen. And so we left. And as we got on the metro and got to College Park, I started getting messages. Hey, are you Okay you know, did you see what happened? And I looked at the news and the Capitol was being raided. And I thought uh-huh. that that's interesting. And but I knew instantly it's not what the media was reporting. And I knew instantly that there was something else going on. And I'm glad and I'm really grateful that we weren't part of that because I didn't want to be associated with the violence, especially after we just did this walk for peace. Right. But I knew something was off. And we had some friends there that had heard um, some people saying things like, now is the time to make these people look bad. And so I knew that there were some people there that had bad intentions that were not there to peacefully protest. 
And so I feel like that was part of the reason why we showed up to DC is to provide this perspective of not taking a side, but taking a step back. And this is something I learned over and over and over again about not making assumptions. And, and so, you know, I, I came from a place of, Hey, let's not categorize this entire group of people. It doesn't matter if you support Trump or not. Let's not categorize this group of people and judge them because we don't know. We don't know if, there were truly Trump supporters inside the Capitol. I, I'm of the opinion, my unsolicited opinion, that there were people there that wanted to cause contention. And there are some things, you know, that happened there at the Capitol that, you know, why aren't we addressing? Like, why were these officers letting people inside the Capitol? That doesn't seem right. And so what kind of message is this sending to our enemies that all it takes is, you know, a few hundred people to storm and raid a federal building. Now keep in mind, like we had to go through several checkpoints going through the white house. Okay. How is it that was so easy to get inside the Capitol building? That just doesn't make Mm -hmm. any sense. So there's a lot of things that are really off about that, not to become a conspiracy theorist, but you know, I think the whole point of, of this is we got to start asking questions. We got to start thinking for ourselves and we have to remove judgment because um, I believe that is what the adversary wants us to do is he wants to create division and um we just we need to come together honestly well and also just to believe in hearsay yeah and that we're not i i hope that your experience and your book that you're writing will have questions for people to ask themselves it's so important that we don't just believe falsely, that we do introspection, that we use the gift of discernment as you were using it all along this journey, that we follow our intuition, that if we don't feel good about something, that we don't just follow just because everybody else is sheep herding down the same path. And for you to step out and do this journey with Paul was a super huge act of courage. I'm sitting here listening and I'm thinking, there is no way I would ever want to do anything like this. Um, I don't have that that kind of uh, adventure in my soul, but I'm so grateful to know you and that you did and that you followed this because I, I like I said, there's going to be layered effects of aha moments that are going to come from this experience. I just see this whole experience as layers and layers and layers that are going to be like pop-ups when you need inspiration, you're going to be able to fall back on, on something that happened. And along the way, you know, how many of us could take a journey with a best friend for six months in less than favorable conditions with a pair of shoes and here somebody bought you a pair of shoes along the way, but how was it with Paul? I mean, not to ask any personal questions like, did you guys ever fight? But was it always easy? Did you ever have disagreements? And there you were together and you had to work together to make this plan work. Yeah. Great question. So I've known Paul since almost almost a decade, actually. And we had been roommates before. We went to school together. We went to church together. We were really great friends. And we'd done a lot of road trips. But this, I don't think anyone can really uh, expect how to handle these different challenges that we had together Mm -hmm. because we have different ways of seeing things. It's not about being right or wrong, but 
we just different vantage points yeah, and perspectives. We both have very strong personalities in a lot of ways. And so, you know, you're making every single decision together. And to be quite honest, it was ironic that there were times where we weren't at peace with each other and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to give our space, uh, give ourselves space to make mistakes um, because that's how we learn and grow. And so I felt honestly a good portion of the walk. I felt this imposter syndrome, like here I'm trying to promote peace and unity and love and acceptance. And I can't even accept Paul in a lot of cases, you know, there are things that he would do that bothered me and, and I had to work through those and and the same for him. I know for certain that there were things I did that bothered him, but this goes back to what we were talking about of introspection, taking time to, and this is where walking is really beneficial is taking time to really ask yourself those questions. You know, when, what happened at the Capitol, it's so easy to be outraged. And there's a lot of things that are out of our control. We have to ask ourselves, what am I really in control of? I don't even like that word, to be honest. I don't even like the word control. I ask myself, what can I personally do to improve, um, you know, my behavior to improve my attitude for the good of the whole good. Right. Exactly. Because there's this ripple effect that takes place when you become reactive. It just is look at what happened with George Mm -hmm. Floyd. People became reactive without actually taking a step back and saying, Hey, we don't know all the facts. We don't know if this officer was really being racist. We don't. And, uh, I think it'd be important for us to take a step back in a lot of these situations and say, before I come to a conclusion, I'm going to come from a place of love and trying to understand. And so that did help us a lot of times, you know, we, we would get into these arguments or like very heated arguments and, but then we would somehow be able to work through them and we're still best friends to this day. Like uh, it's, it's such a blessing that we've maintained that friendship and, Oh, you'll be closer than ever. You can't go through some, it's like no one else can relate to me. And then (laughs) floating on a, on a piece of driftwood after you just sunk the Titanic and there you were, and you just had to get through it. And that relationship is going to be deep and it's going to be lasting. And I love the whole perspective of not judging each other. You know, if there was, if there was that perspective of peace in this world and coming with the intention to understand each other and to understand one another's intentions, not not every action that we do, it doesn't always end up the way we intended, right? So yeah. I think it's a beautiful, a beautiful journey. We have so much more to share. We can do more of these. Um, We are so grateful to you, James, for sharing your walk across America, and we will look forward to part two with you as we discuss more about how we can interact together as citizens of this great nation to bring peace, love, and joy. This is Karen Grant with Joy Coaching America. Mm